I'd like to do a little series here in, uh, in January. Now, Joel will be on for uh, uh, next Sunday, but the series is called God-Centered Families, and the title of today's message is, May God Have a Word with You. I believe that the family was actually formed and created by God, created to meet the deepest physical, social, and spiritual needs of humanity. It's in the home, for example, where a child learns who they are, what they can do, what's expected of them. Some of you may stand in the corner of fear today regarding family life. You've seen so much maybe family pain in the past, you're just waiting for the ball to drop in your world. I do believe that we can move the needle forward regarding family life. And I believe that you can have a family that brings joy to you and glory to God. And especially is that true when as a family we bring a big, bold, broad kingdom agenda to our family where it's not just about me and my happiness. It's about how might God's purposes actually be activated in our home, in our family. Let me put something up here on the screen. A Christian family is a small community where the Lordship of Jesus Christ makes a world of difference. And so let me just begin by saying it's always a little awkward to talk about some of these matters. Um, and here's some reasons. First of all, it's, it's awkward pastorally because I know the pain in the pew for some of you. Some of you have gone through divorces that you did not want. Some of you are in a shaky marriage today. Some of you are lonely. Some of you are widowed, and some of you are widowed recently. And just certain songs can turn on the, uh, the tears. Uh, there are some singles here who were married, some singles here who long to be married. And the last thing I want to do is rub salt in some wound in your family. It's been said in ministry circles, if you want to make somebody feel guilty, just talk about prayer or families. Because we're all keenly aware of our points of brokenness and the sore spots there. And I'm not going to be able to customize the message for every nuanced situation. So um, I'll, I'll ask you to show me a little grace. But there's some awkwardness pastorally. Because like I say, I don't want to unnecessarily rub salt in wounds. I want to challenge you, call you to aim high, but not unnecessarily wound. And it's awkward personally. In our first service today, my wife was sitting right over here on the second pew, giving me the, you know, giving me the look. Both of my children are sitting right over here with their spouses and grandkids. And so when I talk about family, I'm not 150 miles from home. They know me. I mean, I preach this much better than I practice it. You say, well, Ronnie, you don't preach it all that well. I concur, you're exactly right. But having said that, I still preach it better than I practice it, okay? They have seen me at my best. They've seen me at my absolute worst. Gang, that's a family. 
God works in families that are not photoshopped. He works in real families that go through a long journey together where we love and we are loved, where we serve and we are served, where we know and we are known, and where we forgive and we are forgiven over the long haul. That's the only way a family can survive. And it's also awkward culturally because a lot of people just don't believe that the Bible has any relevance. I do. I believe it's God's all-time authoritative word to you and me and that God is always the smartest person in the room. And even when you read or hear something in the Bible that doesn't make sense, would you give God permission? Would you trust his heart and his love and his wisdom enough to pay attention to it? And so may God have a word with you regarding your family life. And are you willing to go back to the user manual? What I want to do next is just give you four words from God, four messages that if you were to go to the Bible and just step back, not looking for little detailed how-tos, but just look at the Bible and what's an overview from Scripture regarding families, marriages, relationships. I have four points here next, and here's the first one. Healthy relationships are fundamental to the Christian faith. They just are. In fact, many Bible theologians believe the key word that describes the Scriptures would be the word relationships. Some might say God or covenant or love, but you just think about relationships. God is relational. The wonderful mystery of the Trinity, three in one. And then there's marriage, two in one. And a cursory reading of the Bible lets us know that God doesn't just call us to monastic behavior, just a private relationship, but actually my relationship with God has a horizontal aspect to it. First John chapter 4 says this, whoever claims to love God and yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they've not seen. And he's given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Elizabeth Actemeyer has a wonderful book out on marriage. And she says, why don't you take that First John 4 passage and apply it to marriage? It would sound like this. For whoever does not love her husband, whoever does not love his wife, whom they have seen, cannot love God whom they've not seen. I concur with Gary Thomas who says, very few marriages would ever approach troubled territory if each spouse would make one of their first daily comments to one another something like this, how can I best support you today? How can I make this day better for you? So you read the Bible and it, relationships are fundamental to our Christian faith and even more so regarding marriage and family. Here's a second observation. God's people are called to be different from surrounding society. We're called to be different. To march to a different drummer, his name is Jesus. And to not just go with the flow. Romans 12 verse 2 says, do not conform to the pattern 
of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Unless you've been under a rock, you know that the Judeo-Christian ethic has been under attack and for a long time, and families are under attack. Back in 1979, the Gay Liberation Front Manifesto read as follows. We must aim at the abolition of the family, which is founded on the archaic and irrational teachings of Christianity. I believe the teachings of Christianity come from the wisdom of God. I urge you to continue to build your home and your family on the love of Jesus Christ and on the Ten Commandments, which are the tender com commandments. And they are wonderful tracks upon which a family can run and run well. And they're wonderful parameters for your home. Thirdly, the Lordship of Jesus Christ compels us to ask, what's God's will for me in this matter? The Lordship of Jesus compels me to ask first and foremost, what's, what's God's will for me here? A lot of people, when it comes to family matters, they might ask, well, what's, what's convenient? What's good? What will make me happy? What do I want? And many discussions, many disagreements in a family have to do with, well, what I want, what you want. The most important question, though, is what does God want here? What's God's will? The earliest confession of Christians was this one. Everybody say it with me. You ready? One, two, three. Jesus is Lord. Not advisor, not counselor. Jesus is Lord. Romans chapter 10 says, and if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For it is with your heart you believe and are justified with your mouth. You profess your faith and are saved. And our confession is that Jesus is Lord and Savior. Trust the Lord. Trust his heart. Trust his word. And let me say to every little boy and girl, every young man, young woman, one of the great ways that you can be set apart as a young person is to honor your father and mother and obey your parents in the Lord. Don't let the voice of your parents be like elevator music. You know what elevator music is. It's that kind of music you pay no attention to. You don't sing along. It's just background noise. But when you hear a fire alarm, a fire alarm gets your attention because you know it's calling you to action. And young men, young women, boys and girls, no one loves you like your parents. And if your parents are followers of God, lovers of God, what they say to you, you might not like it, but they love you and they are wise. And let their words to you be not elevator music, but fire alarm, fire alarms calling you to safety in a good direction. Like the book of Proverbs says over and over and over, you will be wise if you will listen to your mother, and you will be wise if you will listen to your father. Well, nobody else does. None of my friends do. But you've been baptized into Christ, or you plan to be. You've made the confession that Jesus is Lord. 
And therefore, you're not going with the flow. You're following the Lord. And here's the fourth general observation. Commitment is the bedrock upon which every Christian family is built. Commitment. Now, in a marriage, committed love is not the only kind of love. An ideal marriage is like a triangle. You got friendship, you got romance, which is a good thing, but you also have commitment. Because there will be times when the romance might be a little shaky. There may be times when the friendship's a little shaky. But it's the commitment that gets you through. Before I got married, the mother of one of my good friends said, Ronnie, you remember that marriage is the commitment that keeps you together between romances. Not romances with other people. It's the commitment that keeps you together between romances with one another. One time Jesus was uh, asked about marriage and he said this. He said, haven't you read that at the very beginning the creator made them male and female? Let me say that again, male and female. And God said, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother, be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they're no longer two but one flesh, and therefore what God has joined together, let no one separate. You know, no culture has ever found a better, better arrangement for aloneness, for intimacy, for connection, as a stable environment for the raising of children than God's gift of faithful, heterosexual, monogamous marriage. Marriage is from God, ordained by Him, and it's not a contract. You know what a contract is. Contract's that piece of paper we sign because I don't really trust you and you don't really trust me. But a covenant is a commitment. I know a lot of people live together. By the way, you want to raise the odds of, of breaking up and divorcing? Live together. Because you get entangled, but you're not committed. And commitment is the bedrock that keeps a family together. Dylan and Patty Bays, they were from the Talladego Church of Christ in Talladego, Alabama. A few years ago, one of our national magazines had a contest, a happy marriage contest, and they won. Out of 12,000 entries, they came in first. Here's what they said. They said the secret to their success was we gave when we wanted to receive. We served when we wanted to feast. We listened when we wanted to talk. We submitted when we wanted to reign. We forgave when we wanted to remember. And we stayed when we wanted to leave. I encourage you to reinvest in your marriage and that commitment, not just to the longevity of it, but that commitment to the quality of the relationship. It's a beautiful gift you bring. Okay. A Christian family, one more time, is a small community where the Lordship of Jesus Christ makes a world of difference 
Satan hates your family. The devil hates your family. He will bring one attack after another. But you have resources. You have the Word of God. You have the Holy Spirit. You have the very presence and the encouragement of the Lord himself. Before we tie a bow on this, let's go forward in hope, shall we? And here's my first observation about going forward in hope. Just remember, family's not all about you. And I don't mean that to be too critical. It's partly about you, but it's not all about you. Your family and mine, my family's a small civilization. And the minute I start thinking it's just all about me, let me tell you, my wife lives in my wake. You know, if you've ever done any skiing or boating, you know all about a wake. You leave a wake behind. And part of your wake affects relationships. My wake affects Martha. It affects my son, Ryan, my daughter, Mary Beth, my son-in-law, Ryan, my daughter-in-law, Catherine, all of my six grandchildren and others. It's not just all about me or you. And you are a spirit-filled person. And spirit-filled people focus, yes, partly on our rights, but also on our responsibilities. And your marriage is so much bigger than just about being, its, about being about its own health. You bring a kingdom agenda. And how can this marriage inspire others, be a model for others, and represent and reflect Jesus and his church? Secondly, family game changers occur when you change your game. And a lot of people don't change their game because they think marriage ought to be 50-50. You know, I'll do my part, you do your part. The minute you give it half effort, half-hearted effort, you will find wholehearted disappointment. There are times in every marriage when one person says, I'm carrying a heavier load right now than I feel like is fair but you do it for a while. You do it as long as is needed. And you want to change, you want a game changer? Sometimes you, you change, change your own game. Um, let me just give a, a, a small little suggestion. Pay, a tower, pay, pay attention to the power of attention. Your mate regularly is making a bid for your attention. In our home, it might go something like this. Uh, hey, honey, uh, did you uh, see that uh, article I sent you earl earlier uh, today? And if I'm going to respond to that bid, I'm going to go, well, you know, yeah, I, I, I did. Or, you know, I haven't yet, but uh, tell me about it. What would you, you like about it? But if I'm not going to respond to that bid, because I could ignore it. I could blow it off. I could say, you know, no, I hadn't had time, and, and, and I'll, I'll talk later. But right now I'm reading this great article about the orange bowl last week. Your spouse is regularly making a bid for your attention. I encourage you to accept those bids because the more bids you accept, actually you're going to see so many serendipities occur, so many wonderful little advancements in your relationship. But now here's the thing, here's the thing, you got to remember. My wife 
doesn't have a crew of Google engineers working for her to get my attention. My wife does not have a team of engineers and marketers designed to get my attention, but there are all kinds of people on my phone who are working professionally, marketers, engineers, to get Ronnie Norman's attention. The power of paying attention when your spouse makes a bid for you to connect, that's powerful. Next, give your family some long-term grace and patience. View things through the long-term lens and give one another a lot of grace and a lot of patience. And then last of all, remember that God is a God of restoration. He is. He's a God of restoration. And um, no matter where you are today, where your family is or a family that you care about, I I don't want to be trite here. I know that there are incredibly painful and complicated scenarios, and maybe you have been betrayed over and over again. And some of you have believed the lies that there's just no hope whatsoever for your relationship, for your marriage, or for the marriage of, of a dear one. And sometimes those discouraging messages are really easy to believe because there's a kernel of truth there there has been a lot of pain there is there there's been a lot of betrayal and there may be odds that are really stacked against you because for any marriage to be healed to become to move the the needle forward it takes two people not one it takes two people wanting to work together and you cannot control the other person but you can pray and you can pray with boldness you can pray with hope and we serve a God who says with me all things are possible (laughs) my wife has changed me so many times through prayer sometimes it's just not fair actually but wherever you sit the power of of God is available for you. Um, This is my prayer over you from Haggai chapter 2 verse 9. The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts, and in this place I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. In other words, he says, for your home may the second half be even more glorious than the first half. May the next season be even more beautiful than previous seasons, and God can bring that about. Let me put a photo of a football player up here before you. You know who that is. That's DeMar Hamlin, safety for the Buffalo Bills. And some of you were watching Monday Night Football this past week, and even if you weren't watching it, I, I wasn't watching it, but You know the story where DeMar Hamlin suffered cardiac arrest actually on the field after a tackle. Looked like a fairly, I mean a hard hit, but a fairly routine. You've seen uh, tackles like that, you know, a thousand times. He makes that tackle, stands up, falls backward, and there's no pulse, none. He's experienced cardiac arrest. 
medical personnel rushed to the field. But then, here's what happened. Players, coaches, officials, as they're watching them do CPR on DeMar Hamlin, they don't care that it's on national TV. It's time to pray. When I was a kid, I saw a poster that said, when life knocks you to your knees, you're in a perfect position to pray. When life knocks you to your marital knees, you're in a perfect position to pray. And so here they are. Let's keep these photos up here, please. So the team, they're, they're praying. And uh, on Tuesday, uh, Dan Orlovsky was on NFL Live. And he said, you know, I'm not sure if I, I should do this on live TV or not. But Dan Orlovsky led prayer for DeMar Hamlin. He said, God, we come to you in these moments that we don't understand, that are hard. We believe that your God in coming to you and praying to you has impact. We're sad. We pray for strength for DeMar, for healing, for comfort, to be with his family, to give them peace. If we didn't believe that prayer works, we wouldn't ask this of you. But we believe in you and we believe in prayer. And we lift up DeMar Hamlin's name in your name. There you go. <laughs> and praise be to God, DeMar Hamlin is doing well. He's neurologically intact. He is breathing on his own, no longer intubated. Uh, he's spoken with his family. He's spoken with his team. When he first regained consciousness, they gave him a pad to write something down. You know what he wrote? He said, did we win? And his doctor wrote a message right back. Yes, you won. And, yeah. The president of Focus on the Family is Jim Daly. He said, this is a reminder. The people who want to make fun of, oh, you've got my thoughts, you've got my prayers. Prayer makes a difference. We can't, all, we can't always control it. We don't know. We're invited to ask anything and trust God to respond. But prayer makes a difference. And he said, and regarding DeMar Hamlin, he said, I believe we're seeing God answer prayer in real time. Let's bring that home to your family. Maybe there's been such brokenness in the past. Maybe you say, Ronnie, there was a time in the past I didn't follow through on commitment. Listen. You can't unscramble eggs. You start where you are in renewal of God's grace, and you bring his power and, you, and his strength to the table, and you invite him. You invite the touch of the Holy Spirit. You invite the hand of God there. Your marriage needs the gospel. What's the gospel? The gospel is God doing for us what we can't possibly do for ourselves. God's granting me salvation that I can't possibly earn. And God helping my marriage and my family in ways that I can't possibly program on my own. My marriage, my family needs the gospel, and so does yours. And listen, but the gospel also needs your home, your influence to others, your prayers for others, you, you giving hope to others. God bless you in that.